I've never subscribed to the, if you're going to do good, if you're going to focus on the environment, it's going to cost money or you won't be successful. I think that that is a totally erroneous economic analysis. The data does not back it up. The data backs up if your company focuses on transparency and sustainable business practices, you will be more successful. If I just look at the economic data, I'm drawn to these companies that have been more successful than anyone else in their industry and had one common theme, which is they focused on their environmental practices, they focused on transparency, and they focused on sustainability. Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you, hear their struggles, and then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public, personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. Ron is deep into entrepreneurship and sustainability. As an entrepreneur, he's contributed to making policy. Now he's in investing. He started several ventures, starting with recycling, but then moving into lots of different areas with transparency and trust and other parts of sustainable business. And he's grown a lot. He's been a founder, an investor. He's gotten press coverage. He's gotten awards, working with city governments. Again, I want to point out people taking on environmental challenges leads to leadership. As you'll hear, opportunities are only increasing. If you've been thinking about acting and starting an environmental project, now's the time. I have to comment that we were very restricted on when we could make this recording. So the quality is not that great. I hope you'll listen through, especially toward the end. It gets very interesting. Sorry about the recording quality, but let's listen to Ron. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodek. I'm here with Ron Gonan. Ron, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. So Ron and I, uh, we were just before starting the recording, I mentioned that he and I met, you went to business school and graduated just before I started. And even then, this is almost 15 years ago, 12, 13 years ago. And you were starting Recycle Bank, and you're already doing environmental work. And business and leadership and environmental stuff was already mixing together very well for you. I wonder if you could say, just for people who don't know who you are, could you share what you do now and maybe some of the key things that led you to that? Sure. So today, I run an investment firm called Closed Loop Partners that invests primarily in the circular economy. And what we mean by the circular economy is we look for technologies and business models that keep any product or package that is uh, generally destined for landfill back into the recycling stream and eventually back into the supply chain so that it can be reused and remanufactured into new products. And so we focus on investments in paper, metal, glass, plastic, apparel, electronics, and food waste. And we have two funds, a project finance fund called the Closed Loop Fund, a venture fund called Closed Loop Ventures. And then we also have a Center for Circular Economy that does uh, research and development and convenings in the space. So I want to ask a few questions because I think a lot of people listening to this, because the word leadership is in the title, are interested in doing leadership type things. And you're a leader, you're a co-founder, you're a managing partner, you've been CEO. First of all, has there been a a contrast between, I I think a lot of people think 
I want to get ahead in my career. And if I try to do environmental stuff, it's going to distract from my getting ahead. But it doesn't seem like it's distracted from you getting ahead. Is there a conflict between leadership and working on environmental things? Absolutely not. It's it's provided me tremendous professional opportunities to pursue things that stimulate me and motivate me. And it has also provided me uh, the opportunity to do well financially. So how did you get started? Because you, you originally, Recycle Bank is not a bank. Is, uh, and what, how did you right. get started Recycling with that? Company. Yeah, how did that get started? And did, was that your idea? Did you get it all started from the ground up? Sure. So the first part of my career in my early mid-20s, I worked in management consulting at Accenture and Deloitte and got great background in software development and management. But I knew that my real passion was in social policy and the environment and trying to figure out ways to connect sustainable environmental practices to uh, strong economic opportunities. And so I went back to business school. And in my first year in business school, a friend of mine uh, from high school uh, got together with me over dinner and said, hey, you know, I had this idea if there was a way to pay people for recycling, you could significantly increase uh, recycling rates. Is there a way to identify what someone has recycled and build a model around that? And I thought that was a great idea. And so we partnered together and I developed the business model and software for what became uh, Recycle Bank, which was a company that partnered with cities to manage their uh, recycling program with a focus on uh, using a technology and business model that could record each household that recycled, how much they recycled, and reward them for their uh, participation. And what we expected would happen was recycling rates would go way up and we would be compensated by the money saved from diverting all of that material from landfill. And how did it work out? I mean, did, were you able to do that? It worked out well. While I was the CEO from 2003 to 2010, we grew the company from an idea into one that serviced over 50 municipalities across the U.S. Uh, the Wall Street Journal named us the number one venture-backed clean tech company in the world for 2009-2010. And so uh, we had a, a good amount of, of, of success during that run. First of all, congratulations. Sounds really great. I mean, Wall Street Journal, number one things. But you also kind of described like the, the facts of it. I'm curious how, was it fun? I mean, was it a great time? Were you digging around a lot of garbage or was it in boardrooms? Entrepreneurship is probably the most challenging thing in business. And it's even more challenging for a first-time entrepreneur. And so I had a lot of ups and downs and things I needed to learn along the way. But net, it was an awesome opportunity for me to pursue my values in a professional sense and also to just learn a tremendous amount about how to start a business and um, manage people. And so so it wasn't without its challenges or its difficult uh, times, but I look back on that period very, very fondly. It it taught me a tremendous amount and uh, gave me a lot of personal freedom financially. And if someone out there is listening and thinking, oh, I want to start something. Maybe I want to follow in his footsteps. Are things from your read? I guess now you probably have a, a more broad view of being an investor. Are there more opportunities, less opportunities, the same, different compared to when you got started? Uh, there's probably more opportunities when to when I got started because I think the investment community and the business community is much more aware of the opportunities. Uh, to invest and profit in the recycling and circular economy space. People are becoming aware that you can't just continue to manufacture plastic and have it end up in landfills or rivers or 
oceans that's not economically sustainable, it's not environmentally sustainable. And so anybody who can figure out a way to manufacture using a different material, uh, less material, uh, systems to collect that material and get it back into supply chains, uh, people across the business community are starting to recognize that there's significant opportunity to profit from uh, figuring uh, out solutions. I can't help but notice the way that you're speaking is different. When most people talk about too much plastic, you can't just let it go into oceans. And I'm generally, and, and this describes me too, is I think people are like, oh my God, this is so terrible. And they get depressed or they get frustrated or they talk about how awful it is. And you're just saying it kind of very matter-of-factly and very practical. And maybe you're just being that way because it's a podcast, but maybe it's just like, oh, this is an opportunity. This is something I can do. Do you hear the view that, I, that I, I'm describing? And if so, are you, do you sometimes look at it that way or do you just look at it differently? Like, here's an opportunity. Let's do something. Well, it, it is terrible. And the fact that it is terrible means that there's an opportunity for anyone who can figure out how to make sure it stops being terrible, i.e. who can figure out how to make sure that this material doesn't continue to end up in uh, rivers and lakes and oceans or in landfills. The current practice of doing that costs municipalities and businesses billions of dollars. It costs a lot of money to stick things in landfills. When things end up in the ocean, it hurts the tourism industry. It hurts the fishing uh, industry. It hurts people's health. So the current system today is horrible for the environment. It's also horrible for the economy. It's costing taxpayers and businesses a lot of money. So if someone can figure out an alternate way to uh, produce packaging, make sure that packaging is collected and reused, uh, they're going to benefit from the flip side of that cost, which is they're going to take all that money that's currently lost in the existing system and uh, use it as a uh, profit center to develop a new model. And are you mainly now looking for opportunities to invest in people who are doing stuff like that? Or are you, I mean, I, I presume that's the main thing you're doing. Are you also, and correct me if I'm wrong, and are you also trying to do things yourself to send messages upstream to people? Or is it mainly you're waiting to hear from others? Both. We um, are both looking to invest in innovators, but we also incubate ideas within our firm. We do a lot of R&D and publishing and public speaking around the, the topic to try to make sure that people are clear about what the issues are and what the opportunities are. Is the public speaking, is your audience corporations, the public, TV, media, is everyone? All of the above. And it's important that all sectors of the economy recognize the financial waste, not just the physical waste, but the financial waste in the current system and the uh, economic opportunity in a reimagined system where uh, we think about things from a circular perspective. Yeah, it's really refreshing, I have to say, because... I'm used to people being either optimistic or pessimistic, and I feel like yours is optimistic, yes, but also practical and opportunistic, and it's kind of forward-looking. And like, and you know what? I feel like you you have this. I'm reading that you have this feeling of I can do something. I'm making a difference. I definitely always gravitate towards okay, this is a problem. How are we going to solve this? As opposed to let's spend a lot of time lamenting the problem and pointing fingers and complaining or making ourselves feel good because we recognize that it's a, a problem. And, and that's maybe that's the, my entrepreneurial DNA. 
but I will always gravitate towards, okay, what's, what's the solution and how do we build an economic model to, to get that implemented? Do you also, you know, there's, there's a phrase that I, I've just been describing the following phrase as almost the phrase of our era, which is, I want to do something, but if I do, but no one else does, then what I do won't make a difference. So I'm just going to keep doing what I used to do. Do you also feel like that's a really predominant view? I think that a lot of people have that view, but a lot of other people don't have that view because there are a lot of people out there just doing their thing to make a difference. And that number one adds up. Number two, as I can tell you from my experience running New York City's recycling programs under, under Bloomberg, I was able to use the initiative of a lot of individuals or a lot of small groups when talking about wanting to do something citywide as examples of people are already doing it. It's not that hard, uh, so on and so forth. And so it's important that people continue to do things at an individual and community level. What was it like in government working on these things? And is the New York City government, I don't know if you're in touch with them today, is it, has it changed much under the new administration? Not new, but the newer uh, it was a great experience working in the Bloomberg administration, mostly because I was given a canvas to paint what the optimal waste management system should be in New York City. And it was a great experience. We weren't successful in everything we tried to do, but we were successful in a lot of what we wanted to put in place. And um, the current sanitation commissioner, Commissioner Garcia, she's done a phenomenal job of continuing the programs we put in place. and launching some of her, her own initiatives. And so it was a great experience to have that kind of massive impact. And has, I guess I always feel like bureaucracies take a long time to get going. And then they, once they get going, then they're moving in, in a direction. They keep doing it. Was it, were you, the, by the time you were there, was it already moving or is it still changing direction? Is that, or is that model, are they more nimble than I think? It was brought into, uh, to get the aircraft carrier turned around and headed in a different direction. And that has its challenges. But once you get a municipality as large as New York City to focus on the right things like organics collection, it doesn't just have an impact locally in New York City. It also has an impact nationally because this is the biggest market for waste and recycling by sheer virtue of the number of people that live here, the number of visitors, the uh, number of businesses that operate here. And uh, you end up having local impact on the city you live in, i.e. New York City, but you also have national and global impact because people see that, hey, if they can make it work in New York City, obviously we can make it work here. I'm really curious about your, I'm really glad to hear this kind of inside view. And I'm also curious on, on you on a personal level, since before business school, you said, I, I take it working at Deloitte and consulting, there's probably regular business as usual business. And now your exposure in in so many different areas and for so long at, at different levels. Is there a passion behind the environment? Is it, I mean, is it just that you're making good money or is it also something that, is there a special appeal to it for you? Yeah, I've always had a passion for the environment and how nature works. And that's always been to me the most efficient way for things to operate is how they operate in the, in the natural world. And I also had the benefit of in high school working for one of the first green architects in the early 90s, where I was able to learn about a lot of these practices early on, uh, see them put into practice, but also see somebody who was able to make a successful career for himself uh, by focusing in this area way before it became a hot area. 
And I, I just, I just don't subscribe. I've never subscribed to the, if you're going to do good, if you're going to focus on the environment, it's going to cost money or you won't be successful. I think that that is a totally erroneous economic analysis. And the data does not back it up. The data backs up if you, your company focuses on transparency and sustainable business practices, you will be more successful. Like, here's an example. If you were given an opportunity to invest in Patagonia early on when they got started, would you do that? Every investor would say, absolutely. It's been phenomenally successful. Well, that's the leading company in the apparel industry focused on sustainability and transparency. Uh, probably right after uh, Patagonia would be you know, Eileen Fisher in terms of sustainability and transparency, also a wildly successful you know, company. If we look at the food space, well, you know, Whole Foods was really the first supermarket chain to come to market with uh, organic food, transparency in their supply chain. Incredibly successful financially. Uh, if we look at different you know, food brands, it could be Tom's of Maine, it could be Ben & Jerry's, it could be Happy Baby. There's a long, long list of companies that have been very, very successful financially, in fact, more successful than anybody else in their category, who made environment, sustainability, transparency core to their business. So if I just look at the economic data, I'm drawn to these companies that have been more successful than anyone else in their industry and had one common theme, which is they focused on their environmental practices they focus on transparency and they focus on sustainability. It sounds like this is really, I feel like I've, I've tapped into something like something that very strongly motivates you. I mean, it's a mix. I heard at the beginning, you were saying the environment is something you've always cared about. You, your career began or, or before your career. I forget when you said you worked with the architect. Was that in college? Uh, in high school. In high school. So this is really deep into you. And I couldn't help but sense that when you talked about, when you said you never bought into the idea that if you doing things environmentally or transparently that that would distract or detract from your business. I felt like there was like, and, and you felt, felt strong. I always and, found that argument to have the stench of somebody's trying to pull a fast one. Like, let me keep dumping in the river and extract profits until, you know, someone eventually catches me. Okay. So you're making money now because no one's caught on or you've given money to a politician, but eventually it's going to catch up with you and you're going to be penalized and your shareholders are going to lose money. And that's what we see over and over and over again in the history of businesses. The companies that are transparent, the companies that think about the materials that they're using, the relationships with their local communities to do well over the long term, the ones that don't, don't succeed. So you describe it on the business side. Do you also see that on the personal side too? Because you're saying for people to get away with things. And I also feel like it's, it's like enabling them to not really think about stuff so that they can choose comfort and convenience. Yeah, well, I think one of the challenges of the modern economy is that we don't see where our, our goods come from. And that creates a challenge when it comes to making sure that things are done uh, properly. Because you know, if most people saw that their shirt was made using child labor or their shirt was made using you know, dyes that then went into a river that polluted that river and killed the fish and hurt local communities, that they wouldn't buy that shirt. And the way market economies and trading economies developed 
the economies used to be much smaller, much more localized. So you, you knew who you were buying from, you knew where it was coming from. And your decision-making process was involving many different data points. Do I trust this person that's selling it to me? Where's this material coming from? Is it quality material? So on and so forth. But as economies become uh, globalized, we have less transparency into where things are coming from. And so, yeah, companies can kind of lull people into thinking like, hey, I just buy this and use it. And I just gonna make the assumption that nobody got hurt in the process. But what we find is that when companies step up and offer consumers more transparency, consumers gravitate towards that company. They gravitate towards that company because they say, well, if this company is willing to be transparent about their practices, and this company is not, what are they hiding from me? Maybe the product isn't as good. Maybe there's some chemicals being used. Maybe someone was hurt in the process. I don't know. They are not willing to share it with me. This other company is. And we see that over and over and over again, that when companies are willing to be more transparent, consumers gravitate towards them. So you're talking about things. Um, first of all, I'm glad you explained that because when you said transparency before, I heard it, but I didn't really think too much. I didn't really pursue that too much. And now I see how important transparency is. I, I feel like it ties in with authenticity and genuineness and really not pulling a fast one over your consumers. I guess that's something you probably look for in the companies you invest in. Absolutely. And, and that's actually what you know, the stock market is all about. Right? The, the stock market is built upon uh, an expectation of transparency. You give your quarterly earnings. You give your you know, annual report. And if you're not honest with your investors, your stock price is, is going to get hurt. There's an expectation in market economies of transparency. That's what's going to draw capital in. People are not going to invest in companies that are not providing them proper information. And that's where I think companies that are willing to be transparent, that are willing to disclose the types of materials that they're using, uh, the types of labor prices are going to succeed in the long term. Not because the investor or the consumer necessarily shares those values or cares deeply about those issues, but because the investor and the consumer feel more confident in investing in that company or buying that product, knowing that they can trust where the materials came from, how it was made, uh, so on and so forth. All right. So when you talk about transparency, I feel like it's integrity and things that are really major leadership issues. I think that if you develop as a leader, it's going to help you make the environment part of how you do business. And if you make the environment part of how you do business, it's going to develop you as a leader. Is that right? I mean, because I feel like if you don't care about this stuff, it's very easy. I think you described it as covering up and it's not very integrated. And I feel like these things really go together well at a very deep level. Leadership in the environment, that is. Yeah. yeah. Well, the leadership part starts with you as a person, starts with, you know, then you and your family, then you and the place where you work, you and the elected officials that you vote for. There's a number of uh, different areas where you should expect yourself to take a, a leadership role around these things that are going to be important for the environment. They're going to be important for your local community. They're going to be important for uh, your country and they're going to be important for your pocketbook. Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodek.com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable. Join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. 
That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. We talked about this before, when you and I were talking before the recording began, you said that you personally do a lot of the, you live consistently with how you do things in business on a personal level. Can you share, it's up to you, but do you mind sharing some of the things that, how this has worked into your personal life? Sure. Well, as I got more and more engaged in the recycling and then circular economy space, I started thinking a lot about how do I live my life and what kind of waste do I produce? And so I've worked very hard to make sure that I reduce any waste that I have. So I make sure that I recycle all of my paper, metal, glass, and plastic. I try not to buy anything that's not recyclable. I make sure that all of my food waste gets composted. I uh, donate or recycle any of my you know, used clothing and apparel. I recycle all of my uh, electronics. And so that's one of the ways that I try to uh, make sure that I live my values. I think if I were to challenge myself to do more, it would probably be you know in the office building that we're in, uh, in the other office buildings that I visit, probably trying to push the commercial sector to just, hey, you can do better. Hey, you can do better. And I'm reading that doing these things on a personal level is consistent with what you, how you described it on a business level that it, I'm hearing like, oh, I, you know, like, oh, I got to recycle. I think, is it enjoyment? Is it uh, satisfaction? It's, um, it's just a better way to live. This is the way I would sum it up. Yeah, I always say it's about living by your values and value means better. I mean, everyone has their values. I think it's about living. I think it's important for people to live their values. Absolutely. It keeps you more spiritual, more wholesome. Uh, you have more credibility with your family and, and your friends. Absolutely. But it's also just my outlook on life of this is just a better way to live. I love being in nature and seeing trees and seeing the ocean and hiking mountains. I love that. And I want to be part of that and a contributor to that, not a detriment to that and someone who extracts from that without giving thanks or being aware of it. It's just how I decided to live my life and find a lot of fulfillment in that. And, and people may look at that as like wavy gravy or, well, you can go do that. But you know what? I've also had a fair amount of business success doing that. So I'm content with you know, that, that path that I've chosen. And I've chosen that path after observing other people that have chosen that path and done well for themselves. And, and I owe them a, a debt of gratitude. And I hope I can serve as an example to, the, you know, to others who can, who can do the same. I'm really glad we got to this point because uh, as much as, as valuable as the business part was, I think the personal part is really valuable. That like, I, I think a lot of people don't anticipate that doing something that's so personal and not necessarily driven, like obviously toward the bottom line, actually is rewarding and fun. Well, I, I don't know. For me, rewarding, fun, delicious, things like that. Yeah. So let's see. I'm going to see if if doing what you've done so far has brought you all this joy and satisfaction and reward. I wonder if you would consider doing something new, because that's what I mean. That's what I do on this podcast, and we can edit yeah. this out if it doesn't click. But what I ask people to do is is to, given what they value, to see if there's something new that they haven't that they're not already doing, and that you know. One thing I always point out to people, it doesn't have to change the whole world and solve all the world's problems overnight, but it does have to be something that changes something and that you do not 
getting other people to do it because too many people are already telling other people what to do. And it could be, I mean, environment could mean pollution as we've been talking about in recycling stuff, but it could also be, there's lots of other ways that we interact with the environment. Is there anything that, sometimes people have had something on their mind that's like, ah, oh, you know, I haven't been doing that. Yeah, I think um, my goal I would set for myself is to try to make sure that more of the buildings that I do business in are recycling. I think that's still a challenge where I can, um, you know, speak up when I go to a meeting uh, or in my own uh, place of work to make sure that uh, the building just doesn't have signage and, and, and recycling bins, but to really make sure that everything's being done uh, properly in, in that building and, and place of work. If you do that, would you be up for sharing how it went? Sure. Sure. What I, I, need, what I might need a little bit of time, but yeah, absolutely. Okay. Because we... A lot of times I ask people if we can check in later, but I know with you, we've been scheduling through someone. So I guess I'd contact that person to schedule something. The reason I'm asking is that I, I hope that people who are listening, who are considering doing something themselves can hear. It's possible that afterward you'll find out I tried and it was horrible and not, nothing worked, but I want people to hear that because I don't want people to have some greenwashed Disney version of how things work. But if it went well, then they can also hear, oh, I could have. Because I know for me, my co-op board is like really difficult to deal with. And I've gone to them a couple of times and th- things haven't worked out. And so I'd love to hear how your experience goes because maybe I can learn something from it, for example. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. I just, um, you know, need some time, but I'd be glad to come back to you and let you know, uh, you know how, things, how things went. Okay, cool. Uh, I appreciate that. And hopefully the listeners will too. And uh, to wrap up, is there anything I didn't think to ask that is worth bringing up? Uh, no, I think, this is, uh, I think this has been great. Okay then I look forward to talking to you again soon. Good luck with uh, talking to people in the buildings that you're talking about. In my experience of dealing with New York City, building people is difficult, but you've maybe... It is, yeah. it is. But you know, rather than looking at the challenges of frustration, I look at the challenges uh, as a journey and it doesn't make it any easier, but, but creating that type of framework makes the process more enjoyable. You know, I, when I interviewed uh, Frances Hesselbein a little while ago, I interviewed her in her, I don't know if you know her, but I interviewed her in her office. I had talked to her about challenges and she'd crossed off challenge and wrote opportunities. And I was like, ah, she caught me on that one. That's some, I got to switch to using opportunity, which is what it sounded like you were describing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. And I'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Folks, there's opportunity out there. Cold, hard business success. It emerges from transparency, which creates trust, and also joy and liberation from feeling guilty. And he's speaking from experience. He's putting his money where his mouth is. If you're here for leadership or entrepreneurial success, I recommend following in his footsteps. Also, if you're looking for another role model, I recommend listening to Sandy Reisky's episode, which is episode 22. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse, and living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating Others should act first or making excuses to the empowering, I can make a difference and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast 
to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.